0: Hi, and welcome to episode 153 of the Love Food Podcast. I'm Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for connecting today. Would you consider yourself an emotional eater? Or maybe you have identified that binging happens whenever you're stressed or bored, or lonely, or sad, or angry, or frustrated, or happy, or any of those things. Maybe you're someone who's new to this process and just now starting to connect those dots. Or maybe you've been aware of this for years. And I wonder, as you connect with that part, that it's been a really long time that you've acknowledged that food is such an amazing soother. I wonder if you're okay with that. I wonder if there's shame and I wonder if you feel like the burden's on you to change it, like it's your fault. I have a really important letter to read for you today. It's from someone who has connected with the soothing power of food and is wondering why, why are they still doing it? There's so much awareness. And isn't there a saying like knowledge is power? I still believe in that. I think the power may not always be what we think it is. So I can't wait to dive in and explore all of this. We get to hear from Heather Kaplan. She's a dietitian and a part of the Lane 9 Project. And she actually picked this letter from someone within that community. So we'll give you all the details and you'll get to hear the letter after a word from our sponsor. This episode of a Love Food Podcast is brought to you by my PCOS and Food Peace courses. So if you have PCOS, also known as polycystic ovarian syndrome, you probably have been told to diet and that you should not be soothing yourself with food. How dare you, right? That you should just put the fork down and eat less of carbs or sugars or calories or exercise more or whatever. Well, I have a feeling that you tried all those things. And I know most people with PCOS cannot seem to make diets work long-term because here's the thing, diets don't work for most people. So why should it be the primary treatment for PCOS? It really shouldn't be. There are other ways to promote health and help promote food peace while affected by PCOS. I have a 12-step system that I help clients go through, and I put it all in a course so you can do it on your own time. If you would like to check out the details, go to PCOS and foodpeace.com. If you're a dietitian who would like to help clients affected by PCOS to not diet and promote health, I have a course just for you too. It includes 20 CEUs, so we can um, check off that box too, as you're learning these really important skills to help so many people. You can get to the details for that course at PCOSandfoodpeace.com dietitians. I want you to know more about decolonizing fitness. Ilya Parker is a trans person of color, physical therapy assistant, and medical exercise coach with over 13 years of rehabilitative and functional training experiences. They're a social justice advocate and educator whose work centers gender, racial, and healing justice. He decided to merge his love for restorative-based movement practices and community advocacy to create Decolonizing Fitness, LLC which is a social justice platform that provides affirming fitness services, community education, and apparel in support of body diversity. Be sure to check out decolonizingfitness.com to see everything it can do for you and your community. All right, enough of all that. Let's get to this episode's letter and hear from Heather Kaplan. Dear Food, I feel like I'm at a crossroads with you. For years, I restricted you and then binged on you, part of me struggling to give myself enough of you and part of me demanding that I get my needs met. I know so much more now than I did when I first started struggling with you. I know about trauma, disassociation, how binging can't be fixed with restriction that my weight and my body and even what or when or how much I eat are not the problem. I know that nowadays, when I use you to numb my feelings or try to escape them, you don't provide me the true comfort and relief that I long for. I also know that nowadays, I can enjoy you so much more than I did in the past. I can be flexible about when and what I eat. I can sometimes articulate what of you I'd like to eat. And I can sometimes say when I've had enough of you, I no longer binge as often as I used to, and I don't binge on the quantities of foods I used to, but there are still lots of evenings when I turn to you and eat more of you than I'm hungry for, or I eat something that I don't even truly want to eat. I don't think this is the same thing as binging, but it still feels like I'm trying to use you in ways that you can't help me. And this behavior is keeping me stuck in a place I want to grow out of. I feel like I turn to you when I simply want, want more of a good feeling or want less boredom or exhaustion or frustration from the workday. Why do I keep turning to you when I know you can't give me what I need? How can I connect this knowledge that you can't fix my feelings or take them away with the part of myself that still depends on you for everything? Everything. I'm ready to take the next step, yet at the same time, I feel like I'm holding myself back. From Caught In Between. Hey there, Caught In Between. Thanks so much for your note. I really appreciate it. And I also appreciate that you probably feel really alone standing at that crossroads. But keep in mind, there are other people who can totally relate. There are many people listening who are experiencing the exact same thing. It's something I hear about very often. And I can't wait to talk to Heather Kaplan. She's someone behind the Lane 9 project, and she's going to help us sort through some things that you bring up in your letter and um, see if there's some experiments that you'd like to do moving forward. All right, let's give Heather a call. Julie hey Heather it's so great to talk to you it's
1: good to be here
0: yes I'm so excited to talk to you about this letter and also the Lane 9 project and um, you know normally when I talk to someone about a letter we just dive right in but I actually want to do things a little bit different because I'm really intrigued and excited about the Lane 9 project and all the work you all are doing and the letter we have today is actually a special one they're all special and this one is um, special because you picked it from your community. Could you tell the listener, um, you know, a little bit about what you told me earlier about the the
1: project and how you came to pick this letter? Sure. So the Lane 9 project came together between myself and two other women in the D.C. area. Um, We're all runners and just kind of found each other through various ways. But we quickly learned through conversation on a run that we've all experienced hypothalamic amenorrhea, which is a loss of a period, um, usually due to low energy availability and high energy output, like not eating enough and running too much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, There can be other causes, you know, it doesn't always come back to running, but... Um, In our shared experiences, that's what happened. And we had um, a slew of doctors, coaches, and parents who unfortunately just didn't really know what was going on or that it was an issue to be concerned about. So we put the Lane 9 Project together as a way to spread awareness of women's health issues in sport. Um, We focus a lot on running, but we're open to all different types of activities and Over the course of two years, we've published a lot of different personal essays, people who have experienced hypothalamic amenorrhea or disordered eating and eating disorders, and also been active along the way. And through those stories, we started to realize um, there are a lot of themes and a lot of people who kind of know immediately what they want to write about, but some people really struggle with where to start because there's so much to tell. And we kind of came together last summer and thought, it might be interesting if we gave people writing prompts just to kind of help them process some of what they were going through. We all find writing to be a really effective tool for treatment, recovery, healing, um, introspection, reflecting on your experiences, you know, all of the above. So we started with these writing prompts and that eventually led us to here with the deer Food prompt. We have quite a few people in the community who are love food listeners. And we thought it would be interesting if we gave them this prompt to kind of see what they came up with and what might happen when they evaluate their relationship with food kind of as it is now or as it has been in the past. And uh, I think that brings us to today with our letter that we're talking about today. Awesome. Well, thank you for the, all that information. And when you were reading through the
0: letters, like the letter that you selected, um, were they were there themes that you picked up on that were consistent in this letter too, or did everybody kind of have a
1: different thing that they were struggling with? Everyone had really different things they were struggling with, and that's that's mostly been the case within our community. I think the variety of experiences is really powerful. Um, people at the at the heart of their experience have similarities and um, themes that they all kind of can resonate with, but I think that. Um. For this letter specifically, we knew that the person who wrote it is an avid listener of your podcast. So um, we thought it would be fun to select that. But we also um, just really were kind of drawn into the way that there's so much reflection here about what she's gone through in the past um, and what she's still experiencing now that feels like kind of this lingering, troubled relationship with food and emotion. And I just felt like that's something a lot of people can relate to, whether they've had an eating disorder or not. And something that we talk a lot about within like the intuitive eating and non-diet world. So I thought that would be kind of fun to dive into. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, let's dive in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And um, I was... I was really excited to read this letter because it brought up something that I think can be tricky and controversial and at the same time I think can be simple but not easy mm-hmm. <laughs> because what I'm reading from it and tell me what you think but I what I was reading was that this person you know was moving through the intuitive eating journey and and finding their way to make peace with food and still finding like comfort and soothing with food and feeling like that was wrong or there was a part that was like oh I don't want to do that like why am I still stuck on that why can't I stop doing it um, mm-hmm. were you kind of were you reading the, the same thing when you read it
1: yes very much so and that's what I think we end up talking a lot about when we're working with people to heal their relationship with food or as you say like make peace with food and also make peace with the emotions that we feel around food and just the emotions we feel on a day-to-day basis. And I thought it was really interesting that this person feels that conflict of, I used to turn to food for emotion and I'm still doing it to some extent. So is that okay? Mm -hmm. You know, there's that kind of underlying question of like, is it okay that I still do this? Um, Obviously the exact question is why am I still doing this? But I think it's Mm -hmm. important to draw attention to the fact that we all eat emotionally on some level most days, if not every day, like, you know, there's, it's okay to have that emotion tied up with food.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask you, like, I definitely have an opinion on it, but I was going to ask you what your opinion was. And it sounds (laughs) like we agree, but uh, yeah. yeah, And what do you think is the reason why this person, like if we could take out like the normal side of it, but just like when someone is walking this path and they're experiencing like, okay, I'm healing, I'm reconnecting to my hunger, yet I'm still feeling good when I eat things or it still is a way to disconnect or distract or disassociate, you know, all those things. Um, Why do you think that still happens?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, based on what we know about the Late Nine Project community specifically, which is, um, as we've said, where this letter came from, I think we know that there is a history of, restriction, under eating, and then as she mentions here, that restrict binge cycle. And so what I was kind of wondering as I read this is if there's still some under fueling or kind of under eating on a chronic basis. And so there is still kind of more of a craving for certain foods or more of a craving to soothe with foods, because when the emotions become a little overwhelming or become heightened, that may be still the first response is to turn to food for comfort. Um, but then, like I said, I think part of the process of healing your relationship with food is also just acknowledging that sometimes we do eat emotionally and there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Most of the time, I'll tell people, as long as you're able to identify your emotion and identify what you're feeling and kind of address that and acknowledge it, I think that eating in response to emotion is still okay. If that's okay with you, you know, mm-hmm. if that's still something that kind of you can find comfort in, but if it feels, if it still feels really stressful and you feel like you're still not able to identify some of those emotions or able to be mindful of that happening when it's happening, I think that's where we have some work to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It, um, and especially that the, the type of experiences this person is identifying with like the trauma and then the way that, Food has allowed the disassociation from the trauma, which I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. Thank God (laughs) that they had Mm -hmm. a way to like, um, I don't know, when trauma is like living in our body, even, you know, it could be years after the traumas happened um, and it's still there, such a nice relief to have access to something that just allows that disassociation and, um, you know especially our world. And I wonder, you know, obviously I don't know this person and um, for a listener who's experiencing something similar, um, they may be in a body that the world tells them is too big or they may believe it's too big or, um, you know, basically if they're being re-traumatized constantly because of our world, like Mm -hmm. I, I think about people who have the trauma of always feeling like they need to diet or that their body is told that it's not okay. And so they're always living in the trauma. Then I also can appreciate like that's something that you need a way to soothe yourself from that. And food is really a safe way to do it instead of Mm -hmm. like heroin or (sighs) stealing something. I don't know, like any other kind of activity that a person can do that could be a disassociation or a distraction. Like food is like a really wonderful way. You can still drive your car. Um, mm-hmm. You can still be a parent and, You know things like that. And so um, part of me is like, I hope that this person can find a way to have permission because of that. Like, cause I, again, I don't know the reason why the trauma is there and they may be constantly re-traumatized. So Whether either this letter writer or anyone listening who can relate who may say yeah like I'm walking into the world I'm always being traumatized because my body is not considered valuable for whatever reason um Mm -hmm. I often think about like if a person thinks it's all on them to like stop this quote-unquote emotional eating well sometimes it's not all on them like it's not their burden you know (laughs) so right yeah so that may be keeping that person stuck and so um I know I and I know the person was wondering the why, but part of what I kept thinking about was like, I hope that they can find a way to be okay with where they are. And I don't know what it'll look like in the future, but like I hope it I hope they have compassion that it may not look different, you know? And there's certainly other people who that's where their intuitive eating takes them. It's just an acknowledgement of like, hey, this gets me through. And you know what? That's okay.
1: It is okay. And I think maybe part of it is part of the healing process and part of the um, thing that, or like something that might make this person feel better as they continue through this process is knowing that food can be one coping mechanism mm-hmm. along with others, mm-hmm. right? So like, mm-hmm. if food is, as as the letter says, not providing that relief that they long for, um, what are some other things that might provide that, even if it's, just as temporary as food. You know, maybe it's um, personal connections, maybe it's like other stress relief coping mechanisms. Um, So that was one thing that kind of popped up for me is like, okay, well, we don't have to expect food to solve everything. And we know it's not going to like that knowledge is already there. Mm -hmm. Um, But in that case, what are some of the things that do make you feel better? So even if food is the first thing that comes to mind, can we have a, a menu of options that you get to choose yeah, from? Yeah,
0: that's cool. I like thinking about a menu of options. Like it's nice, like pun with the food. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I
1: um, studied for
0: um, I don't know maybe a good year or two with Barbara Bersinger. She's a uh, a dietitian and she also has her doctorate in like divinity. I think she's a really interesting person, and she does um, this thing called food decoding. And what she has like this whole, whole like. Um, tool where a person, as they're craving a certain food, whether it's through, um, whether they call it emotional eating or um, restriction or just kind of craving any kind of disconnected outside of hunger kind of eating, leaning into what's going on in that moment or the moment before. And what I get from this person's letter is they've connected Um, let me look at it again. There was something that they said that I was like, Ooh, this person has lots of data. Um, (laughs) like it uh, comes from simply want, like want a good feeling, want less boredom or exhaustion or frustration from the workday. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this person has so much intel. And, and so leaning into that and like, okay, so when I want, um, what Barbara Bersinger has taught me is when a person says, I want more of a good feeling to consider, Of course, not right in that moment. Like, have the food, you know. And then after that time's over, um, to lean into. Okay, when I'm wanting that good feeling, what what are other things I've done in the past, whether it's a way past or recent past, that has given me that good feeling, whatever that good feeling is. Um, um, Or when I've been bored, what do I what do I need? Like, that's another thing is like, what do I actually need? Um, And I'm not giving justice to this tool because I'm and I'm not doing it the right steps, but. (laughs) But I think it's really powerful because then it helps a person eventually. And it takes a while to kind of come up with it because there needs to be a ton of compassion and permission throughout this whole process and not scolding that it's still happening in order to kind of come up with that menu. And then once a person has that menu, I don't know about you. I find when a person is eating um, in response to emotions with or without binging, um, that kind of experience doesn't shift until those other things on the menu are really already experimented with. Like, it's not like the binging just goes away once a person's like, oh, I can meditate, <laughs> you know? Right. You know? Right. And yeah. like, no, no, like the, the, the stuff's still going to happen. Um, and then eventually, you know, those can be in the arsenal and um, readily available.
1: Do you find the same thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just kind of, coming back to this idea that it's a process and it requires a lot of compassion. Like there may be some tendency from this person to look at other people who have adopted like intuitive eating practices and have gone through treatment and are feeling like they're in recovery that we don't see the middle process, you know, mm-hmm. of like where we have to experiment with those different types of things and where we have to sit back and ask ourselves what we need. So it doesn't just go from, like you said, Deciding you don't want to binge anymore to not binging anymore, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's part of a process and part of that process is kind of tuning into being able to identify those wants versus those needs, um, identifying what satisfies those wants versus needs. And then as we've said a few times here, just giving yourself unconditional permission to, have food and be feel emotional about it or eat food in response to emotion if that's currently a coping mechanism for you yeah. um, and just being able to identify that you know just being okay with it yeah like there's uh
0: having to kind of sit with that tension
1: mm-hmm. and
0: find a way to tolerate it you know however you can um, and then a- acknowledging and discerning when, it's not time to tolerate it. Like the foods needs to happen. <laughs> and then right, there are times right. where you want to do something else or something else actually works better. Um, Oh, this is such important information. And I, you know, outside of this letter writer who I really appreciate this letter, um, I have a feeling there's other listeners who can totally relate to this experience. And so with all that being said, um, Heather, what, what would you recommend um for like some first steps? You know, is there any like, Concrete things you and clients or people you've talked to have done when
1: they've been in this place? So again, kind of knowing the context of this letter and that it came from our Late Nine project community, one of the first steps I would do if this was a one-on-one relationship would be looking, taking a hard look at day-to-day intake and activity levels and seeing if things are matching up. Like if I have said, and I don't know if you agree with this, Julie, but I feel like if people are still under eating and maybe not intentionally restricting as they have in the past, but still maybe not totally meeting those energy needs, the emotions that come up feel heightened in a of time of hunger. Like, oh, yeah, you may feel, yeah. you know, stressed, frustrated, bored or whatever. But if you're hungry at the same time, it's like that emotion goes up two notches, you know, For and sure. it feels even harder to deal with. So we always, I would take a look at, you know, overall intake, is that really meeting your needs? And is it kind of spaced out throughout the day in a way that makes sense for hunger levels and all of those things? Um, and then I would say, now that we've made sure that's that piece of the puzzle is solved, um, what can we do to help you have compassion for yourself and start giving yourself permission to eat in response to emotions when that is what feels comforting and it is what provides what you need? Um, and then, like we've said, kind of working through that menu of coping mechanisms and those, those options that you're giving yourself so that even though food might feel like your first response or the thing you turn to first, if it really doesn't feel like it's something that's going to provide um, emotional comforting or relief in that moment, then what are some other options that you have?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that way you don't feel stuck with this one thing.
0: Right. Yeah, it's... It- It's helpful to have many different ways to cope with life, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, those are some great steps. Um, And from um, what we've been talking about, something that we have on this podcast is called the Food Peace Syllabus. And if you're new to the podcast, it's a collection of books and blog posts and other podcasts, anything under the sun that we find helps to further cultivate a relationship with food that feels more healing and peaceful. And what would you um, would you like to add anything to it
1: Heather? I would love to. I would love to add. I would add the Lane 9 project blog which you can find on lane9project.org and that is a collection of some of these community essays and stories that we've shared from others who have similar experiences with disordered eating, eating disorders and hypothalamic amenorrhea. And I would also add the Lane 9 Project podcast, which we are um, working on. We have season one out, season two in the works. And it's where we just kind of take these conversations that we've had and essays that we've published and bring them to life and talk to athletes, practitioners, Um kind of the elite to the recreational runners, everyone in between, coaches, mentors, you know, you name it. We're trying to just bring more conversations about these topics into the ears of our listeners so that they don't feel as isolated in their experiences. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you. I will put those on there for sure. And if you are wanting the most up-to-date uh, food piece syllabus, all you need to do to get it is go to juliedillonrd.com. So, Unfortunately, we're at the end of our time, Heather. It's been so great to talk to you and reconnect. It's, I love having the excuse to chat. And, <laughs> and um, if someone would like to know more about you and your work, um,
1: where's the best place for them to go? I would direct them to heatherkaplan.com, nice and easy. And I'm at rdrealtalk on Instagram. Well, thank
0: you so much and uh, yeah. have a great day. Thanks, Julie. It was great to chat. So there you have it. Letter writer, thank you so much for submitting your letter to the Lane Nine Project. And I was so excited to chat with Heather about it. And I hope the messages and discussion were helpful for you and listener, even if you weren't the letter writer, those of you who can identify with what this person is experiencing, I also hope it gave you some different ways to kind of move forward or have more compassion. I think they're both really important, and only you know you're the only one that can discern where you are and what you need. So I see that food is written back. But before we get to food's letter, this episode of a love food podcast was brought to you by my PCOS and food peace courses. You can get to all the details at PCOSandfoodpeace.com. Also, be sure to check out Decolonizing Fitness, which is a social justice platform that provides affirming fitness services, community education, and an apparel and support of body diversity. You can find it at decolonizingfitness.com. If you enjoyed this episode of a Love Food podcast, I would love it if you left a rating, review, subscribed, or shared an episode. This act of kindness really helps the show grow. Thank you so much if you've already done it. And every time you do, it really helps more people find the show. So I thank you in advance. All right, until next time, take care. Dear Caught in Between, we meet again at yet another crossroads. Let's acknowledge how far our travels have been. We've been strained, ignored, all or nothing, restricted, manipulated, soothed, binged, fixated, preoccupied, and on repeat over and over again. You have slowly and gently untangled the loops to our our complicated relationship. We hope you appreciate how it got complicated and the burden is not on you. Experiment with ways to connect with the tension when it feels safe enough and practice tolerating your unmet needs. Remember, the world hasn't found a way to recover from its trauma and body hate narratives. Rally with those who can help meet your needs and practice patience and compassion when food still soothes. You're a survivor. We are so glad. Love, food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is a Love Food Podcast. Do you want access to more food piece? Jump on over to my website and join my email list. There, I share exclusive content that I don't share anywhere else. Get access to these tips and strategies by going to juliedillonrd.com forward slash sign up. And I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Love Food Podcast. Take care.